0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder of AOL and the CEO at Revolution, Steve Case, accompanied by Clint Betts. Who here still has an AOL account? (laughs) Hey, should be more hands. That's my first question to you. Do you have an AOL account still? I do, I do. I mostly use my Revolution account, but of course I have an AOL account. That's incredible. So you're known as the founder of AOL. Right. But now you are focused on supporting and investing in entrepreneurs and startups through the firm Revolution, Mm -hmm. which is now a seed fund as well. Right. So I want to start at Revolution. What is Revolution? Why are you doing it? You could be doing anything. You could be in... Uh, Kauai right now. You don't have to be in Salt Lake City. Like, why are you doing re- Revolution?
1: Well, I answer the question. But first, I just want to say congratulations on what's happened here. I remember we were here with our Rise the Rest bus uh, in 2016, about three and a half years ago, uh, and you know, obviously with some signs of momentum in terms of what was happening with the uh, with the startup community. But what's happened since, particularly you know this this event, is really extraordinary. In fact, this this event didn't exist when we visited. And now you, know, you have 25,000 people here and attracting Mark Zuckerberg and others to, to speak is, is amazing. So first of all, congratulations on that. And I also heard your introductory r- remarks, which I thought were brilliant. And I know there's like a governor gubernatorial debate at 11. I'm wondering, are you gonna announce as a candidate to be yeah. on the stage? Are you gonna ask the questions or answer the questions? Anyway, you did it, you've did you done a great job, and and everybody in the community should feel great about how things are going. There's still work to be done, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about some of that, but the progress uh, over the last few years has been quite extraordinary. Answer your question. Uh, uh, as, as you mentioned in the beginning, I was a co-founder of America Online AOL in 1985, so 35 years ago. Back then, uh, only 3% of people were online and they're online one hour a week. And so we spent a good bit of years, uh, really more than a decade trying to get people online, trying to evangelize the idea of the internet. Uh, And then 20 years ago, we merged with Time Warner, I'm sure we'll talk about that as well, and I stepped down as CEO. And then I said, well, what am I gonna do next? And I decided rather than start another company, that I would start a firm that would back entrepreneurs with big ideas and help them take their ideas to scale. And that's really what I've been, uh, been doing since. And we do have a, a Revolution Growth Fund that's, that backs kind of later stage uh, you know, companies. We have a Revolution Ventures Fund that backs you know, more of the Series A uh, kind of uh, a stage. And more recently, a couple of years ago, we launched the Rise the Rest Seed Fund, which is obviously an earlier stage fund trying to back uh, uh, entrepreneurs at that you know, seed stage in partnership with regional investors. So I was delighted to see the announcement yesterday of the Silicon Slopes Venture Fund with successful entrepreneurs here saying, let's pool our capital, invest in the next generation of Utah entrepreneurs. We need to see that in more parts of the, the country. And Rise Arrest the Rest now has invested in 130 companies in 70-plus cities, over 30 states, and we're really seeing some remarkable momentum. We actually have two companies here. One is Cotopaxi. Uh, I'm sorry you're not wearing Cotopaxi. You're yeah, to, you know, merch here. here, I have to wear uh, yes. But they're, they're, they've done a you know, great job trying to create a next-generation brand in the apparel space, you know, focusing on purpose and impact and doing good. and. Uh, done a phenomenal job and also another company, a uh, neighbor that just this week announced a $10 million you know, round with Andreessen and Horowitz. So it's great to see more of that Silicon Valley capital starting to flow to, to places like, uh, like Utah. We just want to see that accelerate uh, over the next decade.
0: So you said something that makes me somewhat sad. Uh, I was born in 1985, you well, that started makes me sadder than it makes hang, hang on, hang on. It's going to make you feel good it's going to make you feel good i was born in 1985 you started aol in 1985 you look a million times better than me
1: well that's not true but thank you um, you're definitely
0: going to run for governor you're a politician. you look a million million i have like this weird mustache it's crazy man um so that's incredible mm. that uh you know one you it lasts that long aol's like the pioneer. i mean this whole event has been about like pioneers and you are one of the pioneers in, in all of technology, um, starting AOL when 3% mm-hmm. of the world was on the internet. It's just unbelievable. Do you think about your legacy there as a pioneer in tech?
1: Yeah, to some extent. I, I, it's not just me, it was a whole team of people that really believed in the idea of the internet. Of course, we now take it for granted, but in those first you know years, really the first decade, it was a struggle. Most people did not believe uh, the internet would ever be a mainstream phenomenon. I'd hear from people like, do you really think somebody's gonna like buy a computer and sit down at a keyboard to type a message to somebody when they can just pick up the phone and call them? Uh, do you really think people are gonna type their credit card in so, and order products that might get you know, delivered and without being worried about like hackers and, and things like that? Even when we went public in 1992 it was the first Internet company to go public on that roadshow. Most people could care less what we're doing. Didn't think it was a big idea. Uh, And we, in in our IPO, raised ten million dollars, and the value of the company that day was seventy million dollars. And you know, it was just like another little company going public, no big deal. Seven, eight years later, uh, we had about half of all the internet traffic in the United States going through AOL, and had gone from seventy million to 160 billion. Uh, and so by then people were paying attention, but I did learn it took a decade for the internet really to become an overnight success and, and why rise the rest, I see some similarities because when I travel around, obviously seeing events like this, uh, are inspirational, but when I travel around the country talking to different, uh, you know, startup communities. Sometimes people in those communities don't think they really. Can do it and certainly there are people in san francisco or new york or in other places who believe that innovation is always going to be dominant there and other places around the country you know don't really have a have a shot and that that same look in their eyes uh, and skepticism is what i saw three decades ago with the internet so that's why uh, and eventually, that proved to be a good idea. We think Rise Rest will prove to be a, a, a good idea, and the momentum, as I mentioned at the beginning, in, in, uh, in the Silicon Slopes, it just is a testament to that. We just need to create more and more places uh, like the Silicon Slopes, where there's more entrepreneurs doing things, more community support, more collaboration within the community, more attention of, of investors from other places to get on planes to, to visit and and invest. More people who grew up here, went to school here, staying here versus leaving and more people left, figuring now's the time to you know, come back. That's what we have to do to really launch this new revolution in entrepreneurship in this country and make sure everybody everywhere really has shot the American dream and everybody, every community has the opportunity to rise and create jobs and economic growth so we can have a more, inclusive innovation economy and not have a world where, as you saw in the video, that essentially a few people in a few places do really well, and the rest of the you know the country uh, feels left behind.
0: Through Rise of the Rest, you visited 43 cities on a bus tour, Salt Lake City was yep. one of them. I still remember you coming in, that was a huge deal for us. I think we had breakfast at like the prison, do you remember that? Yeah, we did at the prison yeah. tour. Yeah, which is interesting. I don't know why we did that, but that was cool. Um, and. So, I want to ask you something about like the importance of community. What we found here in Utah and in Silicon Slopes is just the importance of like entrepreneurs locking arms together, helping each other, mentoring each other, lifting each other up. You know, the entrepreneurship right. is lonely, it's hard. Nobody right. cares about what you're doing. You've gone through all that type of stuff, not even your spouse. Like I don't even know if my wife knows what I'm doing today, right? Like it's 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 a pretty lonely endeavor, right? um and the importance of like a community that will surround you and help lift you up and help you help mentor you particularly people who have um, been there and done that and can kind of help you through the pitfalls and all that type of stuff i have two questions for you along those lines one who was that for you in aol days Mm -hmm. and two are you seeing communities pop up outside of silicon valley in New York that can really support and mentor each other as we, you know, grow it outside of the coasts?
1: Well, first of all, as I said at the very beginning, this is a great example, and the leadership of, you know, Clint's providing a lot of people in this room, I think, is is, is the reason why their momentum is, 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 is building. Uh, But it does take a village, it does take a community. Entrepreneurship is a team sport. It's not just about the entrepreneur, it's about the team that you build around that idea. And entrepreneurship as a city, as a region, is also a team sport. And one of the things we really try to encourage as we travel around is getting everybody involved, getting everybody engaged, driving more collaboration. the university connected more startups, the big fortune 500 companies, the mayors, the governors, et cetera. We really need everybody focused on this. And the reason for this is that, that most jobs in this country are created by startups. You know, the data is pretty Compelling that small business, you know, accounts for a lot of jobs in aggregate, like a restaurant on you know on, you know the street outside. Uh, but it doesn't, as a sector, grow a lot of jobs. If that restaurant goes under; probably some restaurant will take its place, probably employ about the same number of people. Similarly, big business, Fortune 500, as a sector, is not creating jobs. Some are growing, Amazon or or uh, what have you. Some like GE are declining. As a sector, it doesn't create jobs. It's these young companies, these new. You know kind of startup companies that you know create most of the jobs. so we have to think of startups as not just specific companies doing specific things that are specific investment opportunities, but how do you create a a community around those startups that allows more to start and 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 scale and and plant more of those seeds to get more companies. Uh, you know, going, and, and that's one of the things that I think has been impressive to see. I think there's still work to be candid about trying to be more inclusive and how do you bring more people into the, 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 the tent. And part of the reason you mentioned the prison visit, I do remember that. The, that was really the idea that maybe there's some people in our society that get off on the wrong track because they don't have an opportunity. And in some cases, not all, but in some cases, some of the folks in prison because perhaps for you know, kind of drug offenses or things like that, actually were pretty entrepreneurial, but didn't have a constructive path and went a different path. So how do we make sure entrepreneurship really is available to all and we create those, you know, those pathways for all, that, that is critically important. When we got started and uh, AOL started outside of Washington, D.C. In, in, in Northern Virginia, it actually wasn't supportive of startups. Mm. It was a big government town, and you know government contractors and lobbyists you know, lobbyists, the, you know the, the, the usual kind of thing, so there were some big government contractors, you know Lockheed Martin folks like that but there wasn 't much of a startup community when we raised capital, none of it came from the d c area We had to get it from Boston and Toronto Chicago, San Francisco, none of it came from From DC. Now, 35 years later, it actually is showing great momentum as a startup city. Part of the reason Amazon picked that area for their second headquarters was because of the momentum that's been building, but it was hard and lonely in those uh, early years. So that's why I have a sense of I recognize it is hard and lonely for a lot of entrepreneurs in a lot of parts of the country, but I also recognize having seen it that these communities can rise up and can you know, really you know, scale to be much more important uh, you know, kind of, uh, companies and more important startup cities. And we can, over time, kind of level the playing field and create more, more opportunity.
0: As an investor, what is your investment criteria? What filters do you have? Well, we, as I said, we have three different funds
1: at three different stages with three different teams. And so it, it, it certainly varies depending on, at the, at the seed stage, obviously we're focused on the idea, we're focused on the entrepreneur, the team that's starting to assemble around that idea, because uh, with our seed fund, we don't lead round, we don't take board seats, we're partnering with regional venture investors, you know, kind of understanding the regional investors and who's gonna take the lead becomes very important uh, as well. That's really more of a of a partnership kind of Koretsu, uh, you know, Strategy, uh, as they move into the from the seed stage to the venture stage. By then, there's the beginning of a the business. There's usually you know pretty good you know kind of a product market fit. There's some some revenue kind of you know generation, uh, but there's still a lot of questions about competitive dynamics and and. And how the company is going to scale and differentiate. So that's obviously where uh, where we focus, trying to understand the size of the idea, the, the market, TAM, the total addressable market, things like that. But really try to you know, dig in to understand what are the key areas of differentiation and why will this company be able to break out. And then when we do the, the later stage uh, kind of yeah, investments are through our growth fund, this is companies like Sweet Green, a fast casual a restaurant that started in, in DC, is now expanded, or Tempest, a company in, in Chicago, or DraftKings it's doing some things around uh, initially fantasy sports they've expanded to other areas those are real businesses they usually have you know tens of millions of dollars of revenue sometimes e- even even more uh, they, their teams are largely intact and their question is how big can this be a, as they scale up so at every stage we think there are different challenges that's why we organize with with three different uh, teams we're just trying to position revolution as the firm that can help entrepreneurs at wherever stage they are with a particular bias and backing entrepreneurs outside of silicon valley that silicon valley is great will continue to be great uh, but salt lake city and provo are, are great and nashville's great and denver's great minneapolis is great and indianapolis is great and detroit's great we want to be backing entrepreneurs in those places so we have that bias and the final bias we have is we believe this next wave of entrepreneurship which i've called the third wave of of the internet is gonna require a different playbook. It will be more distributed in terms of place, uh, uh, which ties in with, with Rise of Rest, uh, but it also will be much more reliant on partnerships. It's not so much about the software. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, the success of Facebook, obviously was writing uh, compelling software that then spread virally, and they figured out a way to monetize it. Huge success, Google, Twitter, other things. That was sort of the second wave model, apps that were virally uh, spread. They didn't need partners. Uh, the, the companies that are attacking healthcare or uh, food and agriculture or smart cities or other, other kinds of sectors, partnerships are critical. The, the software is sort of the table stakes. You need partnerships to really scale because these are systems level uh, challenges. And you also need to be uh, thoughtful around policy because these are big parts of our lives, important parts of our lives, big segments of the economy. So public policy, regulatory issues are gonna become more important. Uh, so understanding uh, that th- th- this new wave will be more dispersed around place, will be more centered around partnerships, and will be more anchored around policy also biases our thinking in terms of the kind of companies we're, we're looking to back.
0: As you look to the future and think about the trends in technology and kind of, you know, you have blockchain popping up, AI, all these different things. What trends are you excited about? Uh, it, and what are you excited about, just generally, with the, with the future of technology?
1: Well, I'm excited by a lot of things. One of the great things about uh, what we what we're doing, what I get to do, is you know travel around, meet entrepreneurs, hear, hear their ideas, you know, listen to their their dreams and we are quite open to, to different sectors. We, there's some areas we have a particular focus, but we, we're, we talk to different entrepreneurs in a variety of different sectors. To me, the, the, the magic has always been, it was true even in the early days with, with AOL, was not so much about a specific technology, but how a number of technologies come together and enable something that otherwise wouldn't be possible. And then in particular, how that technology is applied to solve a problem, seize an opportunity, make people's lives you know, kind of better. That was, to me, was fascinating even early on about the idea of the internet. It wasn't so much the internet technologies and there were a number that had to come together. It was how that could empower people. So now our focus in, in things like uh, AI is, is not just around the investing in AI as a technology, but investing in companies that are using it in ways that could have a profound impact i'll give you a, a couple of examples one uh, that's a rise the rest uh, seed investment in baltimore is a company called catalane they use ai to basically identify people that have a propensity an aptitude for coding but never knew it and they when they go through this this this, this essentially this test and they it, it, they pass it then they're put through a curriculum and placed in a in a much you know, better job i remember one case there was a ups truck driver Uh, that nobody talked to him about coding. Uh, And when you learn about Catalyte and and went through their their program, now has a job that pays three times more than it did before. So that's using AI, which many people fear will destroy jobs, to actually unleash opportunity, which we thought was really interesting. And another is is company Tempest. It's based in uh, Chicago, just started about four years ago, scaled significantly. Uh, They now have uh, 70% of the National Cancer Institute hospitals uh, uh, in, their, in their program, partnerships being important, 30% of all cancer patients in the country, their data is now in the Tempest system, and it's using AI to save lives. Be much more precise about understanding what's going on, so you can be much more precise about uh, uh, the therapy. And the, the founder of that, Eric Lifkowski, his wife was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer about five years ago. He called around and realized you talk to ten people, you get ten different, you know, kind of recommendations. Thought that was crazy, and said, "I'm going to create a company that that uh, that can, you know, fix that." I think it's going to be one of the most, you know, successful companies of this third way because he understands the importance of partnership. He understands the importance of policies using technology, in this case, uh, AI, to, to really address a, a critical problem with a very creative uh, a solution. And I note that that company is not in San Francisco, it's not in Boston, it is in, in Chicago. So it's an example of, of this rise of the rest phenomenon in, in, in real time. You talk a lot about convergence. What
0: do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's something that we started talking about over 20 years ago, that part of the, even the idea of merging AOL, which at the time, obviously not anymore, but at the time was the dominant internet company with Time Warner, which was the leading media company, all the most cable systems owned, Warner Brothers Studios and CNN and, and you know, Warner Music and you know HBO, things like that, was together they could do things that they couldn't do apart. We you know, even back then it was clear that the worlds of media and communications and computing were starting to come together, starting to converge, and that would result in a lot of things, of course we, you know, take for for granted now where Netflix is a is a is a major phenomenon or Spotify or, or, or other things like that. We really believed those technologies would converge, uh and obviously it happened. Unfortunately, that company wasn't quite able to capitalize on those opportunities, and, and others now, like Facebook, didn't exist when we, we did that merger. That yeah, was a, something that came out of the convergence of, of, of technology. And we'll continue to see that convergence. It just now shifts from that second wave focus on on media communications, you know, financial services, et cetera, to focusing on some of the most important aspects of our lives, like like healthcare, how do, how do we live healthier lives, our food systems, how do we, how do we kind of reimagine what our food system uh, should be? There are a lot of different opportunities in some of those sectors. Healthcare should be more convenient, it should be more you know, precise in terms of better outcomes, it should be more affordable. That's going to require innovation and the convergence of,
0: of, uh, of technologies. Tech regulation, it's a big topic right now um, for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, particularly the big tech companies. You've been through this since your days at AOL and with the Time Warner um, acquisition. What do you, what is your, what's your take on, you you are in a unique position to have a take here that I think is relevant to 2020. And as we think about um, the unintentional consequences of tech and how it should be regulated moving forward. It's it's super tricky and like most things sadly in our world these
1: days are things are kind of highly polarized and you have fairly kind of uh uh, kind of extreme views on all sides and i think the answer on things like this is really digging in these are complex sensitive issues not just about the companies we have but how do we compete in what is now a global battle around innovation entrepreneurship uh, you you know technology but the innovators have to engage more with policymakers and the policymakers have to engage more with the innovators. Right now they often are talking you know, past other, And I have been dealing with this for a long time. Even when we started, which seems bizarre, but when we started AOL in nineteen eighty five, it was actually illegal, illegal for consumers or businesses to be on the internet. At the time, because it had been funded by government research out of this defense agency, DARPA, it was essentially a a network that was restricted to educational institutions and government institutions. So if you were on a college campus or worked for whatever government agency you were on the internet, uh, consumers and business couldn't be. So one of the battles we fought three decades ago was to commercialize the internet, to allow everybody to, you know, to connect to the internet. And then we had to figure out what are the right policies around trying to make sure you have the sufficient protection to keep kids safe? What are the ways to think about you know, privacy? What rules need to be put in place to unleash e-commerce? a whole set of things. Now that the internet is so ubiquitous, it's such a funda- fundamental part of our, our lives, there's a whole new set of, of uh, challenges uh, that emerge. And they're tricky, subtle challenges that don't lend themselves to simplistic talking points and cable television you know, kind, of, uh, you know, kind of sound bites. So that engagement is critically important. I do think and i even you know said this four or five years ago when i wrote the book third wave that there would be a backlash against silicon valley we're seeing that i think that will accelerate i'm sure you'll talk to you know mark uh, about that the uh, you know, this afternoon, I suspect, indeed, part of the reason he's coming is he's trying to kind of communicate how Facebook, he wants Facebook to be viewed uh, in a more positive light because now, even though people see it provides enormous benefits, there are growing concerns. Some wanna break them up, some wanna constrain them, some wanna for- force them to open up their 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 their, their systems. Similarly with Google and Amazon, many other companies are, are under the, the gun. To me, the core, is how do you make sure you're unleashing the next wave of innovation? How do you make sure markets are you know, competitive? There are lots of different ways to do that, and that I think is gonna be one of the key things to, to focus on. And then the related point is how do you make sure we actually do have a more inclusive innovation economy? It goes back to where we, uh, we started. It can't just be all the capital in a few places backing you know, kind of certain kind of people doing certain kind of things. We have to figure out a way to level that playing field. I'm just reminded that America itself was a startup not too long ago, almost 250 years ago in the grand scheme of history. It's not that much time. It was a fragile country Uh, uh, of the idea of uh, of America really was, was, was about empowering people and pioneering and people were going to take some, some risk. We went from this little fragile startup nation to the leader of the pack, the leading economy because of entrepreneurs who kind of led the way with the agriculture revolution and led the way with the industrial revolution and then more recently led the way with the technology revolution. How do we continue to lead the wave in the next revolution? And we cannot do that if we're just backing, you know, certain people in certain places. We have to figure out a way to make sure what we're starting to see here in the Silicon Slopes is happening in other places. And even here, you know, again, the progress here is extraordinary and you should feel great about it. But if you just look at the data, Last year, Utah got about 1% of venture capital, and California got about 50% of venture capital. So Utah is on the rise. It's on the move. Utah actually has a little bit more now than Ohio or Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Virginia, which are you know, pretty, you know, pretty uh, strong uh, kind, of, you know, kind, of, kind of states in terms of what's happening in different sectors, different universities, but there's still a long journey to go and you have to continue to to build on that and then all the work you're doing, including convening events like this are, are critically important. My hope is 25 years from now, we we are living in a world where America is still the leader of the pack in terms of driving innovation. We're creating jobs everywhere. We're, we're figuring out ways to have a more inclusive uh, economy that, that benefits more people as opposed to you know, fewer people. That cannot happen without all of you. That cannot happen without entrepreneurs taking the risk, and communities rallying around them to help take their ideas and, and, and scale them. So what you're doing and what all of, everybody here is doing is critically important. I'm delighted that the first gubernatorial debate in Utah is at Silicon slopes and the center of it can be around how startups can continue to help everybody in Utah rise and how as more states focus on this as a critical ingredient, you know, the, you know, more people in more parts of the country can rise. It is, you know, to me, the, the core issue facing this country.
0: We're out of time, but I got to ask you something because I think uh, your answer on this is critical. I touched on my remarks. I jokingly said, you know, my, my wife doesn't even know where I am. Obviously, she's in my front row with my, with my son there. Uh, but entrepreneurship is very lonely. It's hard. It feels like no one cares about what you're doing. And because of that, we've had challenges here in this state uh, with mental illness, with, with, with suicides, right. with burnout, all these different things. How do we combat that as a community?
1: No, it's a critical issue. Obviously, mental health is a issue that you know that is really becoming a a big challenge uh, in all sectors and all all parts of the country. Indeed, we backed. A company called Talkspace is using digital technology to create more access to mental health, more convenient, lower cost things like that. Because we do think it's one of the, you know, the 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 most critical ingredients. But it goes back to what you said in your opening remarks: is creating that sense of community where people are helping each other and there for each other when when and kind of have their, have your back when you hit a bump in the road. I mean, as you said, entrepreneurship is a lonely experience, It's a frustrating experience, it's a scary experience. Then there are many times where you feel like you're going to hit the wall. AOL ultimately was a success, but there are two or three times where we almost hit the wall. We had to lay off people. People thought it was was over. I'd even get calls from, like, my parents saying, like, oh, like, we love you and we're proud of you, but it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe." Maybe you need a plan B, like get a real job. And, and so I, I, I lived through that and it, and it, it is scary. And, and it, you know, so we need to figure out ways to rally behind uh, you know, these, these entrepreneurs and the teams they're, they're building. And communities need to understand their future is in the hands of those crazy entrepreneurs that are doing things today that you don't quite understand but have the potential to create the the big businesses of tomorrow. Every big business, every Fortune 500 company starts as a startup. And if you're not planting that seed corn and helping build the community and recognizing the entrepreneurs that do have challenges and some of it's access to capital, some of it is around recruiting and retaining, you know, talent. Some of it is around partnerships, but some of it, as you say, around the personal struggles you have, the emotional struggles you have, you know, with with your family and friends and with other people in your, in your company, figuring out ways you can, you know, kind of take the hill and, and build the, the dream you have for this, this company, this idea, how, what you're trying to do it, and do it in a way where you can sustain it, because we also have learned that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint, and, and be able to do it with a community that really cares and has got your back. I think the momentum here in the Silicon Slopes is is extraordinary. It's some of the obviously the the big successes, the iconic companies now that have gone public with big valuations is great. The fact that some of those entrepreneurs are giving back to the next you know generation is is great the fact that an event like this didn't exist four years ago? Now there's 25,000, you know, people uh, is great. The, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are kind of on, you know, get, you know, creating momentum, kind of wind at the back. But you've got to figure out ways to continue to attract, you know, capital. You've got to figure out ways to you know, continue to be more inclusive in terms of the entrepreneurs that you, you back. And you've got to, as you said, understand the entrepreneur journey is a lonely, scary one. And how do you make sure you have a community, and I, I do think there's a lot of uh, positives here, but a community that really is there to help you, not just when it's going well, which is when it's easy, when, it's, when you're starting to hit, you know, really have some struggles and somehow figure out a way to help you get through those struggles so you can create one of the companies of the future, help build the industry of the future, create the jobs of the future, uh, and do it in a way that helps everybody everywhere.
0: Thank you so much for coming Thank you, Clint. Thank, Thank you, you gentlemen. all. Give it up for Steve Case.